Greetings and welcome to Beauty is Eternal, the art of being your best self for women, where we go in-depth and under the skin of experts. My name is Caitlin and I'm your host. Today's episode is called Food Coach Natürlich Nadine Hutenroch, Integrating Mindfulness and Non-Judgment to Improve Quality of Life and Individual Nutrition. Eating is a necessity, but enjoying food is an art. How much time does the average person spend each day unconsciously going through the motions and eating without really experiencing what they eat? Natürlich Nadine sat down with us to explain how mindful eating changes not just our culinary experiences, but our entire state of being. Human beings have more things in common with one another than differences, which it can be easy to forget. One of the things that all humans have in common is that we need to eat, and yet we do not all have the same nutritional and dietary needs. In order to understand what our body actually needs, we have to listen to it and we can listen to it by becoming mindful and conscious. Nadine is a business, food, and health coach specializing in mindful eating. She is also an editor of the German magazine Bild der Fall. Please take a look at her photo. Never trust a nutritionist who does not look healthy, and Nadine looks amazing. She is based in Berlin, and her coaching encompasses a three-step model. Nutrition, relaxation, and fulfillment. She worked in business consultancy and project management for seven years before relaunching her career as a certified health, nutrition, life counselor, as well as business trainer, who has completed continued studies in mindfulness-based stress reduction. She offers individual coaching as well as workshops seminars, and lectures. She goes by Natürlich Nadine, and Natürlich, by the way, means naturally, or of course, in English. Nadine is going to talk about effectively integrating mindfulness and individual nutrition into everyday living for optimal health and simple steps to make it happen for anyone. Topics include advice for period cravings, what Nadine eats, and why she still enjoys her grandmother's cake. If Nadine can have her cake and eat it too, let's learn more. Welcome to the show, Nadine. I'm so excited to have you here as a guest. Thank you very much for having me. (laughs) While we were talking earlier, you told me a story about how you experienced a 15-course dinner in a city called Modena. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Of course, happy to because it was just such a great experience. So last year when I went to Italy and we went to the city called um, Modena, it's a very Italian city and it has an amazing restaurant. It's called um, Osteria Francescana and it it used to be a couple of years ago one of the world's best restaurants. It's by the chef called Massimo Bottura and he's one of the top chefs in the world. And it was my first visit to a three-star Michelin restaurant and it was just such a great experience because I kind of imagined that all the foods and all the dishes would taste super good. And it wasn't exactly what I expected because it was more that all these dishes and all the combinations of food he created were so interesting and so new that in the first moment it wasn't I wouldn't really say it was good but it was just so different and so kind of I would say eye-opening but it was more like opening all the senses (laughs) also with the like looking at the food and how he kind of presented it was different the tastes were different the scents the smell was different it was just a great combination and something so special for all the senses and for example you had this one dish it's called five ages of parmesan and it's one of his signature dishes and it's only one ingredient it's only parmesan 
but out of this one ingredient he creates five different kinds of I would say textures so there was a parmesan sauce there was a parmesan cream like a biscuit and a foam and even though it was just one ingredient it had so many different taste nuances I would say for me as a foodie and as a someone who appreciates and loves food and good ingredients so much it was one of the best experiences I had ever in my food life I would say. <laughs> what other combinations of food did he create apart from the parmesan? So there was also for example a dish it was more towards the end so it was kind of a dessert but I think it wasn't exactly but I'm not sure it was a, a combination of biscuit a very soft one on top of a tomato salad which was also more sweet than sour very interesting then there was like a, a cream on top i think it was vanilla that was very sweet and then the waiter came with this black ball and we we're like oh my god was that <laughs> it was a burnt orange and that was grated on top and we were like first like oh my god okay we're gonna eat something burnt <laughs> but it was so interesting and the whole combination and also of course so new to the eye and so different that, that was good and also like I do I do like cooking um, myself and sometimes you know you get used to the combinations that you know well or you've created already but this was very eye-opening in the sense that okay I can be more experimental in my own kitchen and can try to combine different things myself so very inspiring for me too did they tell you what you were going to eat before you ate it or did they tell you after no before before that was good so actually also one plate was completely black so the plate itself and then it was a black soup out of squid I think and then you had this burnt uh, the dish was also called burnt <laughs> and you had this burnt cookie, so you loved burnt stuff. You had the burnt cookie and between the layers, they were kind of two very thin cookies and between the layers there was a black ceviche. Then, so they told us before and so that we... In case you had any food allergies. <laughs> for example, yes. Yeah. Have you carried over any of the dishes that you experienced in that restaurant? Have you tried to make any of them by yourself at home? No, I haven't tried because I think um, I would never get to this level <laughs> of uh, finesse, I would say. But for me, I brought to my kitchen these kind of combinations, like combining sweet and salty, sour and salty, and being not being afraid of trying new things. Mm. Because when you are afraid of that, you might not create something completely new that might be very good. So I always think it's very important uh, in the kitchen to just try things out and not be afraid of that. Sometimes in the end, the, the end result is not very good. That also happens to me. Mm -hmm. But very often you get these very new flavors and f combinations of flavor that are amazing. And you wouldn't have gotten there if you wouldn't have tried it out in the end. I can see how passionate you are about food by the way that you talk about it. You're very fortunate that you get to work in a career doing something that you love. Yeah. When you were growing up in Germany, was nutrition something that was emphasized in your family? How did you develop your interest in food and healthy eating? So indeed, it was something my mom used to focus on a lot, actually. So she would buy all the food we had at home at a local organic farm. And when I was a child, I didn't actually like that too much because, for example, there were like, there was spelt bread and I really, really didn't enjoy that. Also, the sweet stuff you would get from this organic shop um, at the farm, it didn't taste as sweet as you, the more processed or industrial <laughs> sweets you get <laughs> out there. And as a child, I was like, oh no, again, the spelled bread. <laughs> but, and I went quite away from this 
like focus on on healthy and good quality food myself when I was at university I cooked myself like what you cook as a student kind of pasta and pesto <laughs> very often and then I started my first job and my nutrition actually it got even worse and I paid even less focus and consciousness to it so I didn't really care about it so much and I had this one situation actually that I would, wouldn't have dinner with my colleagues because they said they don't need dinner and I was like okay then okay I'll try not to have dinner myself and then I was so hungry and in the hotel room I had this pack of peanuts and that was my dinner and I had a similar situation, but with some sweets uh, that where I just had sweets for dinner and had like the worst night in my life because I had like, I think like a sugar shock or something. So I had weird dreams. I woke up, I was sweating and so on. So, and then like maybe after the second time this happened, I thought, okay, this, this cannot be the norm. So this shouldn't be that way. Plus I had some issues with my digestion, I would say. So I didn't feel that good. And the way that my mom brought me up and put such a, a lot of attention to the food and the quality made it easier for me to go into that too and think about, ah, okay, maybe it's the way I eat that creates this, these digestion problems. So I would say that being um, brought up this way opened up a door that I could go through and I was able to go through at a later stage in time more easily. Because your mother had given you a healthy basis, you understood what it was like to eat local and healthy food. So later when you started to have health issues, they were the catalyst for you rethinking your nutrition and then you realized, oh, Maybe my mother was onto something all along. Yes, and yeah, absolutely. And nowadays, nowadays I buy the spell bread myself and <laughs> I really enjoy it. After you had this realization and you decided you wanted to focus more on nutrition and go back to some of the healthy eating you'd learned as a child, what steps did you take? Did you go see a doctor? Did you start researching it? I would say both. Also, because my mom would always go to naturopaths with me, so she's very into natural healing, so I did that um, on the one hand. And on the other hand, I started research and I just tried things out for myself. So I left out lactose, then gluten, because I thought it's not good for me and I'm allergic. And it turned out at a later stage that I wasn't. But anyways, <laughs> I paid more attention and paid more attention to less processed food, more vegetables. And I was just able to see how much better I felt. Actually, it was the steps were kind of trial and error in the end. So I was looking at okay, I take this out of my diet, what happens? It got to a point where I was, the whole topic got a bit, I would say, tense. So I put pressure on myself. So I, I put out more and more things out of my diet. So I got to the point where I thought it was more stress than it was good for me anymore. So the, this experience of feeling a lot better kind of went into something that I would think about too much and would stress myself with. And that also went on for time. So I became vegetarian. I started eating low carb when this first wave of the low carb hive started. I thought, oh, I have to try that too. So <laughs> I was very open to different tips and opinions and studies and whatever and tried more and more, but it wasn't natural anymore. So it wasn't the right thing for me anymore. And I got to this point at one point, I said again, okay, this is not um, how it should be. This is not normal too. Just like I had the digestion problems where I thought, okay, this is not the way it should be. I had these now more, I would say from, from my mind uh, side, it wasn't the best way to deal with food. So all the rules I put onto myself, I just quit them. I said, okay, from now on I eat what I feel my body needs. So when, when I have the feeling that I should eat meat, I eat meat. I can still pay attention to good quality uh, meat, for example, but if there are some nutrients in there that my body needs, I'm gonna give it 
to my body. And I went back into enjoying food because that I lost a bit. So this enjoyment was lost on the way the more I thought about it and read into it and researched it. So I regained that through leaving behind all these rules and uh, eating what my body needs individually. How did that tie in with your career transition? You were working in business consultancy and project management for seven years. And then perhaps together with your renewed interest in nutrition, you decided to make nutrition and health your career. How did this decision come about? What made you want to change from learning about your body and your own nutritional needs to teaching others about it? So I would say it was a process. It didn't happen from, from one day to the next. But since I really found my passion for food, for nutrition, I thought, okay, this is something I would like to do. I could spend the whole day dealing with food and nutrition and healthy eating. So I got to the point of doing an education certificate to be a food and health coach. And I did that because I thought, okay, I test whether this is really where I want to go, whether this is really the thing. And I did that besides my job. So I did that for a year and my passion and my interest for these topics grew even bigger. And then from the job side, I was working as a project manager for a startup here in Berlin at that time. It didn't continue the way that was planned or the company wasn't continued in the same way. So I thought, okay, well, when, if not now, should I start my own career path, get self-employed, follow my passion and um, yes, work as a food and health coach. And at the beginning, I thought I would only work as a food and health coach and forget all of my past. I thought, okay, I was a business consultant before, I was a project manager before, but now I'm in a different field and I forget about all of that. Mm-hmm. But very much at the beginning of my own business, I realized there are jobs that need the combination of both. So for my, my first job as a freelancer actually was to work for a fasting clinic where I would work as a project manager, but I only got the job, I would say, because I have a st- understanding for nutrition, for health, for fasting. So. I realized that only after I started my business and my vision of my business was completely different, but it was so amazing to see that I could also combine what I learned and all my experience from the past with the new job, with the new field of nutrition. That's amazing. So you're able to take the skills that you developed working in business and now you employ them together with nutrition. Yes. So I have a couple of projects just like that now. I work with companies, small to medium-sized companies, also food startups, and kind of consult them in the area of nutrition or also do, for example, of content creation. So I create nutrition plans around a product. I create health tips around products. I do also write for a German magazine where I write about nutrition and health. And this kind of work I would have never imagined before. And it's so good to see because at the beginning, so I also do one-to-one coachings, of course, with clients to, to work on their nutrition. But I realized that I also like the business side. I enjoy it as much as I enjoy working one-to-one with clients. So many different aspects of my person and my personality and my skills are being covered through my job. Can you give us an example of one of the projects you're working on with the company? For example, for the employees that they would want to make sure that their employees have access to information about healthy nutrition? Would it be, for instance, a company that is working in food and wants to design a new product? Tell us a little more about that. Exactly the two. So both. So there are those companies that um, want to to offer their employees trainings, workshops, talks around 
nutrition and that around mindfulness because I'm also focusing on that area around health. So I do that. Plus, I work with companies who are in the field of food and nutrition. Just now, actually, I have a project where a new product is being developed, a supplement. And an important part of the offering will be to support it through content, through health tips, through uh, nutrition advice. I'm responsible for all the content part of the offering setting that up and then later on creating the content too. That's really exciting. Yeah, I really enjoy it. You mentioned you also work with individuals. So if somebody comes to you and they want to improve their health, how would you typically work with somebody? What's your process like? So it's a very good question and in the end That is also something that developed over the course of the past year. So I'm self-employed for five years now. At the beginning, I really wanted to have like a set process for my clients so that it was maybe something that helped me through the process. But I kind of freed myself from that because I realized that every person needs something else and there is no one process for every individual. And that's also very important basis of, of my work and my approach is that I pay attention to every individual and every person who wants to work with me gets their very own process in the end. And I work a lot as a coach. I do say food coach because in German you have a different name for, for the work I do. They would say nutrition consultant when I translate it. But I don't see myself as much as a consultant. I see myself more as a coach who helps the person to find their own answers instead of me telling you should do this or that. Of course, I can offer advice, but I want to put them into their own strength of relying on their own body just the way I did and realized at one point that all these tips and rules that I followed weren't for me individually the right thing. So I work the same with my clients. I, I support them in trusting themselves more. So I'm also a facilitator in coming back to your own body and reconnecting with your body with its science and telling you like what is good for you and what is less good for you. Do you have your clients keep a food journal? I do that actually um, right at the beginning most of the times because it's interesting. It's not only of course that I get a better picture and understand them better, but it's already a tool to become more conscious about their own nutrition. So there are already so many aha effects in doing that for one person just to pay attention and write down what I've eaten because so many things got into routines that you don't realize it anymore. It's like an automatism and the food journal is a first rate step to realize some of these routines. You don't do it consciously anymore, but unconsciously. So that's actually a very helpful tool, I think. And then, yeah, the process continues with different exercises or focus points on different areas. And actually, I bring the person more and more in, in, into a more conscious and more mindful state about themselves. And that's kind of the process. But how exactly it goes, it's very individual in the end. It's unique to every person, yes. just yes. like everybody has their own fingerprint. Yeah, absolutely. Mindfulness has become more popular in the last years. There's mindful meditation, there's mindful eating. Mindfulness is very important to you. It sounds like when you've discovered your interest in improving your nutrition and health, it played a part in that because you were aware of what your body wanted and then you tried to become conscious of what you were eating. What does mindfulness mean for you and how do you teach your clients at so what what it means for me and what I've realized and I wasn't aware of of mindfulness right at the beginning when I started to change my own nutrition and only evolved I would say and I got 
closer to it and then suddenly in my training to be a certified um, food and health coach this popped up and mindful eating popped up and I got really interested in it because I had already the idea in my head that every person is, is unique and has individual needs but how do you get there and how do you find these and mindfulness is a great tool it's a great tool to get there and become more conscious about your body and yourself and your needs and what you don't need and what is not good for you and it's also such a powerful tool if you really want to make changes because I realized that most of the time the issue that my clients or also friends who have talked to me about their nutrition most of the time the issue is not that they wouldn't know what is good for them or not in a way at least but it's more difficult to really change habits and again mindfulness is a great tool to do that because as i experienced it and in my opinion you're only really able to change something when you're very present in this moment because you can only change in this moment and mindfulness is about coming to this very moment and it doesn't mean that this only helps to not eat the daily chocolate bar anymore but actually eat your chocolate bar the best way to make a change is not to try to leave it out but rather consume it or do it very mindfully because then very often or most of the times people realize oh it doesn't actually taste that good or I, maybe I don't need the whole chocolate bar maybe I only need half of it or maybe actually I don't need it at all at the moment or maybe it tastes good but it doesn't taste as good as I thought or afterwards I also had one client who realized that she didn't feel good afterwards she realized that this daily chocolate bar that she, she had been eating for years, just like a routine, didn't actually feel very good in her body. And then through those kind of realizations, you are far more able to make changes and you have far more power over the present moment and over your habits by being in, in the moment and being mindful and deciding consciously. So you don't tell people to try and deny themselves and push something away but rather bring it in and become very conscious and aware of it and when that happens then it loses some of the power because if you deny yourself something then you might want it more but if you're allowed to have it and then you really think about it and really feel it and notice the sensations then a lot of the pull actually goes away yes also already the allowance that you are allowed to eat it makes a change very often the problem is that people think okay i i, I shouldn't eat it and, but and i want this, to <laughs> yes and this creates even more thinking about it the, the, the pull gets even bigger and i had one workshop actually and one person asked about a similar thing and she was like i really want don't want to eat sugary snacks anymore what can I do and I said first start allowing yourself it and then do eat it consciously and she was afterwards like two weeks later I, I met her and she was like this was like freeing <laughs> like a freeing moment and it made her like the allowance to eat something she wanted to get rid of made it easier for her to leave it that's so interesting. That's really interesting, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you don't tell people to forbid themselves anything or definitely eat something, but rather proactively be aware of what foods you're desiring, maybe why you're desiring them, and then if you really want them, then being very present as you eat them. Would that be correct to say? Yes, absolutely. Also, you know, mindfulness is also about not judging and it's paying attention to the moment with and everything that is there including the thoughts including emotions and whatever but without judging just observing we judge so many times so often about anything and everything stopping this judging 
also adds to well-being so much because there's so that we have this inner critic and then you eat something you actually like like the cheesecake for my grandmother that's like <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> favorites and uh, you know from i would say classic maybe classical nutritionist point of view would say oh my god sugar uh, refined meal refined flour and whatever else is in there But I see it completely differently. I look at it as if someone made this cake with love for me, like a present, and it nourishes on a very different level. And there is nourishment on very different levels. And if you think about nutrition and food only in, let's say, nutrients like carbs uh, and ingredients like sugar, then very soon you get to this judging state again. But instead, have the food and any food and enjoy it and use all your senses. And then you don't need as much of it anyways. But then you can also enjoy the foods you love, like the ice cream in the summer or like the, the cookies in winter. It's part of a healthy nutrition for me. It's not that it's left out because it just nourishes on another level. That sounds a lot like self-acceptance. Yeah, it is in the end. It's, it's a lot about appreciating yourself, accepting yourself and also taking care through that for yourself. That reminds me of a quote, what we resist persists. <laughs> That's a very good quote. <laughs> I wanted to ask you what your daily diet is like, what you eat in a typical day. So I have my range of couple of breakfasts that I enjoy and it's uh, most of the time including oats, it's including um, seeds like sunflower seeds or pumpkin seeds or chia seeds or flax seeds, <laughs> then I love flaxseed oil because it has essential fatty acids in it, uh, which is great. And I combine it, like for example, I soak the oats and the seeds and nuts in the evening. And then the next morning I add some yogurt and flaxseed oil. And then I just put the fruits of the season on top. And then I have some topics that I change, but for example, I love cacao nips or um, more seeds, for example. I love a nuts, nut mood. Almond butter? Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes. So I love that. And that's kind of what I eat in the morning. Then I grate, maybe grate an apple into that too. So And mostly the fruits of the season. So it, there is a change anyways of nutrients. Like Also, one thing is that... I have some basic health recommendations, I would say, and it's one of them is to eat colorfully, like the rainbow, that you get different kinds of colors, colored foods, and they have different nutrients, so you already get a range of nutrients, which is good. And for lunch, I like to actually go outside and have lunch, and we are very lucky here in, in Berlin Mitte to have very good lunch places and healthy lunch places, so mostly I have something vegetable-based for lunch. I used to eat more salad, but I realized for me raw food isn't that good. I have problems digesting it, which is also something I had to realize myself because normally you would say salad is super good, salad is super healthy, but again, it's not for everyone. So I realized raw food is not that good for me and I, I'm much better off with lightly cooked vegetables or cooked food. And in the evening, I prepare the food myself again and then it's also ma mainly vegetable based. Often I, I add whole grains like quinoa, brown rice or spelt that I cook. Often I cook a bigger portion so I have it for two or three days and then each day I vary the vegetables according to the season again. Then I sprinkle some nuts and seeds on top again, do a nice dressing and then I love feta cheese. It's like I could put it on everything <laughs> that comes on top. <laughs> 
Are you a vegetarian? I'm not vegetarian. They have a saying it's called flexitarian in Germany. I'm not sure if that's internationally known. I think it probably works. (laughs) So I do eat meat, but not very often. Not very often. But when I feel like it and or when I'm invited, for example, I'm also fine eating meat. What if a client comes to you and they've been following a particular diet? For instance, a paleo diet or vegan or raw food do you typically advise them to stay on their diet do you work with them if they stay on that diet do you try and bring them away from it how do you handle those situations again that's that's very individual so i would of course first ask so how are you feeling with the diet are you happy with the diet if they're coming to see you then they probably have (laughs) something is probably inspiring them to want to improve their health yeah but sometimes it's symptoms too so it doesn't necessarily have to be the diet which is the reason so sometimes symptoms but still the question has to be asked because they have to answer it also for themselves so is this actually good for me am i happy with it does it suit me or maybe Oh, actually, I've realized already for the past year, let's say, some tiredness or something, but I didn't connect it, for example, to the diet. So if they don't feel that good with the diet, of course, I try to make them realize, okay, what is good for me now? And that is part of the work that I bring them back their own intelligence and intuition with regard to what is good for them and we do that step by step still nevertheless it start i would start with a journal an eating journal again yeah i'm guessing that time of day is similar that you would have people look at how they feel when they eat at certain times of the day because i know from myself i don't like to eat a large lunch even Mm -hmm. if it's very healthy I tend to get tired. I prefer to eat more in the morning and then more later. But I know people always say, oh, you should eat more in the first part of the day. And I say, but I get so tired that I actually, my energy stays really consistent if I I do it like that. Do you think that that's okay? Would that be an example of me following my intuition or do you guide people in one direction or another? So I think it's a perfect example and I think it's great that how you realize how the food or, or portion sizes make you feel and that you react to that accordingly and behave as kind of your body told you, which I think is great. And I, you know, I used to actually give the advice, eat more in the morning, eat less in the evening. But then again, you know, some people like myself <laughs> included, <laughs> I, I can only do sports in the evening. In the morning, if I do sports before I eat something, it happened that I faint, so I don't do that anymore. So I have more energy in the evening. But then after I trained in the evening, I need energy again because I have to refill my, my energy resources. So I eat after the training and sometimes it's a bit later and it's also said that you shouldn't eat too late. And yes, this is the case. But then again, every person has different circumstances and different lifestyle and different energy levels. So the time of the day is something that is individual. Again, also some people cannot eat breakfast in the morning. Sometimes it's just that they're not used to it and maybe they would feel better eating it in the morning and could feel better. But then sometimes some people just don't want it and don't need it. And I think that's perfectly fine. And you know, there are studies who say you should have breakfast, otherwise people who don't have breakfast gain more weight. But then just recently, beginning of the year, last year, I don't remember, there was another study saying, oh, this is actually not the case. Mm -hmm. You have so many studies, you have so many opinions in the area of food and nutrition, and there's always the one saying one thing, and then there's one saying the exactly opposite. And I think that this is for every study, nearly every study, the case, and it's because everyone's different. Also, for example, I wouldn't wouldn't say that diets like paleo or vegan or low carb or whatever aren't good. Some people need exactly that. It's good for them. So I think all the diets out there have a reason they are out there because 
For some people, they exactly the right diet, but not for everyone. So I think that is important to realize. And that is also why there are so many diets out there, because there are so many different people. I never thought of it like that, actually. That's a really good point, and it does explain why there are always conflicting studies as well, because some diets work better for some people, yeah. depending on their individual needs. Yeah. Do you have any inspirational stories you could share about clients whose quality of life really improved through improving their consciousness about what they eat? Yeah, I have one client um, who came to me and there's personal circumstances, but it was also that she told me, you know, and I was working in, in, in hospital with this nutritionist and she told me I shouldn't eat this and that and I shouldn't and I should have breaks between meals that is actually also interesting that you know you have those saying you should have eat three times a day three meals a day and then you have those saying you should eat five or six times a day mm -hmm. and again both is correct kind of you know I used to try to eat three times a day because I thought it was healthy and then I realized actually I cannot eat that much at one meal I fill up quite quickly Still, I need constant food and energy supply. So for me, it's better to have smaller meals also for my digestion. So anyway, so she was told that she should have like six hours break. Then after the six hours, she was so hungry and she so much great food that she eat like extensive portion, eat more than her appetite actually. She overate. She overate. And so... What we did is that I worked with her and the biggest help for her was allowing herself again, like not relying on someone else's opinion, but on, on the own bodily intelligence. And again, there was self-acceptance and self-empowerment that was the result of this coaching, I would say, that she realized, okay, my body is intelligent it knows exactly what I needs uh, I appreciate it not only when you realize what your body needs but you also give your body what it needs that's already a form of appreciation for yourself and that makes a difference also in other areas of your life also actually to just come back to my story I started off with nutrition and looking what was good for me and my body and what was less good But it also went into other parts of my life. So I was working as a business consultant, but I actually I found out this isn't good for myself, this kind of working and the work environment. So the same I did with my nutrition also happened in my, in my career, kind of. I also questioned things, what, what is good for me and what isn't. So that's just um, my own story too. Yeah, so mainly I have these kind of experiences that people feel a lot more empowered, freer, more self-conscious, of course. Most of the time, the self-worth is in increased through this. And of course, with that, automatically come changes in appearance. Because when you start paying attention to what you eat, and you, you're allowed to eat everything, but the more you pay attention, the more you realize, ah, actually I crave more for nutritious stuff. <laughs> Then sometimes you have the other cravings, it's okay too. You start to eat healthier automatically and it's not that you put pressure on yourself that you have to be do it, but it comes more naturally. And then also your body changes and you get into self-acceptance and appreciating your body for the way it is and in whatever form it is. Do you have any quotes about health that you particularly like that you could share with us? One of my, my favorite quotes with regard to food or nutrition is, I think it's by Francois de la Rochefoucauld, I hope it's, it's correct, <laughs> it's um, to Eat is a necessity, but to enjoy is an art. <laughs> And I think that is the issue, the whole diet industry and all the nutritional advice often forgets. It's only about what you eat. Very often not about how you eat or why you eat or what your relationship to food is. It's focusing on only such a small part 
of nutrition and of food, the, only the what and not everything else that is around. And that is why eating has become more eating than enjoying, I think. But enjoying is the most important thing also with regards to general health. You can eat as healthy, like in like classical terms, as you want, but if you don't enjoy life, then that's not good for your health. I want to ask you about women who are about to get their periods. They often crave fat, sugar, chocolate, for instance, is the stereotypical thing that women want. Would you say that if a woman is craving something around her period, that she should also have what she wants and just be very aware of it? Well, there are two answers, I would say, to this. So. One is yes, and based on everything I said, of course, <laughs> I have to have to um, agree to saying, okay, you should have what you need. But the question is also in that moment, it's not only what you crave, but it's also how you feel afterwards. Mm. So yes, have what you crave through having it very consciously. Maybe you didn't need as much, first of all. And then look at how you feel afterwards. And that is very important part of everything I said. It's not only eat what you like, but also pay attention to what it does to your body. And maybe also you can ask yourself, so why do I need this now? So this is also a very important question I ask my clients, also when they want to change habits. So why do you want to eat this now? Sugary foods, for example, is a sign that the body needs energy because carbohydrates are the primary source of energy for the body. Especially when you're just before the period, I for myself, I'm more tired. And often that's the case why I crave these things or people or women crave these sugary snacks or sugary foods or foods high in carbohydrates. It's because they are tired or don't have the energy they have in that period of, of the cycle. And then maybe an answer is, do I actually need the food now or maybe do I need a rest? Oh, that's... So what's the alternative? I didn't think of it like that. Yeah, so it helps to... Look at the cause. Exactly. Rather than and the ask, solution. Ask for the why and then, like for example, okay, I'm tired. So why am I tired? Okay, it's because of a period or maybe did I not sleep that well the last couple of days anyways or did I not get that much sleep? Where's the cause? Where's the origin, I would say, of a craving? Mm. That is mm -hmm. also a very important part of, of changing habits and also of the work I do is making people realize, okay, why do you need this now? And what is there as an alternative or what is actually needed? It's more in order to not have a symptom treatment because often that's just symptom treatment, like having the sugary snack now, but actually treating the cause. That is sort of what a doctor does, right? Yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Rather than just treating the problem and they actually look for what the cause is. Yeah. And that's also something where you suddenly you're freer. You have so many more options and you have these many more options because in this moment you ask yourself consciously and mindfully, what is called for now? What do I need now? And maybe what you need is actually not sugar maybe it's something else exactly a break some fresh air a glass of water often very often hunger is also dehydration yes are there any trainers or nutritionists or any people that are authors that inspire you that you really like to look to for advice there's one person i would say that i I learned a lot from with regard to mindfulness and that is John Kabat-Zinn. He created mindfulness-based stress reduction, MBSR in short. It's an eight-week mindfulness program that helps you get into mindfulness and reduce the stress. And it's actually he's from the University of Massachusetts, so it's also been researched and many studies have shown how effective it is. And I think he's an amazing person and has um, created such a helpful tool with this program in order to get into mindfulness in a 
non-spiritual way i would say so he did that on purpose in order that everyone basically independent of the religion or or anything else can do it i really recommend to take a look at him or do the program or read one of his books you asked before how i teach mindfulness and actually i teach it through experience because you cannot really teach it. It's something you have to experience yourself. It was interesting because I went to a training in the US by former students of John Kabat-Zinn who are now professors themselves and it was called Mindfulness Tools and it's based on the MBSR approach and the eight-week program and it was a five-day intensive program. And I went there and I felt so unprepared because I had one piece of paper saying when I should be where and then I knew that every more every day would start at six with meditation and end at I don't remember four or something or five and at one point I thought oh my god I'm so not prepared I have no clue what is going on did I like not read everything I was supposed to read so I felt very unprepared and I went to the first evening or the first session and found out that it was exactly as it was supposed to be, because they didn't want us to have expectations. They wanted mm. us to experience. And that is a mindfulness in the end. It's mm. your own experience. I can explain it to you, yes, I can explain principles and tools, but in the end, it's what, what you do and what you experience. And it's also not that it has to be, by the way, exercises, like sitting down and meditating. You can apply mindfulness during the whole day in every moment. It's not another point on the to-do list. It's more something of how you do the things, how you do your to-do list. And it can be implemented and experienced any time of the day. What do you enjoy the most about your profession? That's a good question. There are so many aspects I enjoy. So I, of course I enjoy that it's around food and nutrition because I appreciate food and like for example I was was in Italy this summer and I went to a market and I was just loved looking at these mm -hmm. amazing vegetables and mm -hmm. their color and of course in Italy you have like bright colors your tomatoes in like amazing shapes and there's so much to look at it's like for me food is like a piece of art and when you really look at food then you can see nature in it and what kind of art nature created here so I love that of course <laughs> then I love working with people I think it's just so great to see how people change and can change and I and I'm also always part of the process kind of I'm not in the sense that I'm coach and yes I am and I have the role in that but I also learned so much myself in <laughs> that and from people which is amazing. This I love a lot. Then I love writing and I write mm -hmm. a lot. So I do content creation. I write for this magazine. I write for my own blog. And I really enjoy it because it's, I don't know, it just comes out and it flows. And when I'm, I'm in the flow of writing, I'm so in the moment and I'm so there. And it's a great feeling. And I could probably go on. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any upcoming projects that we should look out for that you can share with us? One thing is that I continuously offer is my online course and it's about mindful eating and finding the nutrition that is right for you and getting into the what, how and why you eat and finding your healthy nutrition through that. And something else I'm super excited about because it has been a dream for quite a while is that I'm currently working on a book that will be published next year beginning of next year and it'll be about mindful eating the title is not yet decided upon but it will be a combination of nutrition advice and recipes so yeah working on that i'm really looking forward to it and the end result yeah and that'll be beginning of next year if you subscribe to her newsletter on her website you'll hear about it as soon as it's coming out yes exactly <laughs> Before I let you leave today, I have three more questions for you. So the first question is one book in particular you recommend. Mm -hmm. So one book, it's called 
A Cafe at the End of the World. It's by John Streletsky. It's called The Why Cafe in English. It's a very thin book and it's super easy to read and read through in a couple of hours probably. But I think it was one of those things that got me into what I'm doing today. So there are some questions asked in this book and they're like very essential life questions, I would say. And they helped me find my passion because I didn't always know that it was nutrition. Before I found it and I found this whole area, I really didn't know what I liked. I just want to mention that as an inspiration that people who don't know yet what is the thing they really enjoy or where they would like to go, I didn't know myself. It kind of came along the way. The book helped you to discover yourself. Yes. yes. I'm going to add that to my book list. Yes. And I'm going to put a link to it in the notes. Yes, thank you. And what about one habit that you practice to relieve stress? One healthy way that you manage stress? Well, that's easy because it's, it's mindfulness, <laughs> the answer to everything. Uh-huh. Uh, Only 90% of things. Yes. <laughs> but in the end, it really is that. I mean, I do practice mindfulness on purpose, let's say. So I do a daily formal mindfulness practice by meditating every day. How much do you meditate? Do you do... So it depends a bit on the day between 20 and 40 hours. Do you mean minutes? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, minutes. Uh, So yeah, depending on on the day and my goal is, and that works well, is that I want to meditate five days a week and at least 20 minutes and that works quite well for me. Sometimes it's it's more and then sometimes it's less. That's also okay. Are there any methods you use? Is it a mindfulness meditation? It's a sitting meditation and I just focus on either my breath or bodily sensations. Also the sound can be an option. So I learned all of that as part of MBSR. Or you kind of free up and just just sit and see what what appears and comes to your attention. You can also pay attention to thoughts, for example. It's quite interesting. I had one one moment where I realized that you could actually observe thoughts. Before, I always never understood, like, what the heck do they mean with observing thoughts? But then I got to the point where I said, oh yeah, you can actually do it. It's interesting. Really fascinating when you learn to be still and then you hear a thought come in and you become aware of it because most of the time the thoughts come and leave so quickly we're not even aware we had them yeah absolutely it's really interesting it's interesting when you realize oh oh, that's going on at the moment (laughs) also for example um mindful eating is also a great way because we eat every day and we have every time the option to make it a mindful moment by really looking at the food, by smelling, by tasting, by being very present, by consciously swallowing and consciously... Chewing? Chewing, consciously chewing. And then also listening to your body and how it feels with the food. So there are at least, or let's say at least two options a day when someone eats only twice a day to practice mindfulness through eating and it's such a great opportunity because you eat anyways. (laughs) That's true. It's not something you have to add to your day every day. It's already there. Yeah, and you can use it to have a break and free your mind and also afterwards the work will flow more easily. I mean, creativity, for example, happens when you're very present. You're right. And what about one place in the world that you love the most? So that is Italy. <laughs> I, with regard to the story I told at the beginning with the restaurant that I went to, and that was of course very special and it was very high-end food and it was amazing. But then actually Italy is known for its um, cucina popoli, which means the kitchen of the people. It's good ingredients. It's simple dishes and it's just the quality of the ingredients that makes it so good mm-hmm. and I love that about Italy I love the way they live their life and enjoy life and 
also the atmosphere there is just amazing it's i think um i for myself i can learn a lot from the italian way of living just to enjoy life and enjoy what is there and yeah make the most out of it i would say could you ever see yourself living in italy i have this dream <laughs> of owning um either a vineyard or an olive tree farm i'm not sure how you describe <laughs> that but i love olives I have this dream that this is at one point <laughs> good to at least as a summer house or winter retreat or something. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today, Nadine. I learned so much from talking to you. You're so beautiful and smart and inspiring. And for all the listeners, you can read more about Nadine at her website, naturlichnadine.de. And that's, I'm going to spell it because it's a German <laughs> word. So it's N-A-T-U-E-R-L-I-C-H-N-A-D-I-N-E dot D-E. I'm also linking to it in the notes to this show. So you can go click on the link and you can contact Nadine directly there. You can also find her on Facebook and Instagram. It's also Natürlich Nadine is the account there. Well, thank you so much, Nadine. Thank you, Caitlin. It was lovely to talk to you. I loved your questions and I really enjoyed our talk. Oh, okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>